everybody welcome to humanity's voice episode two so you know i love josh joshua so much that i was like hey you gotta come do this uh <laughs> follow up we're not gonna i mean i'm sure we'll do other shows together just because we're in the same kind of fight together but this is actually a follow-up from um, our first episode with jordan and him speaking out against kevin spacey so we have an um awesome guest, but I will wait to introduce him because Joshua and I decided to do um, a, I don't even know what to call it. What do you call it, Joshua? Like a... Is this like a crossover broadcast, like Chicago Fire and Chicago ER or whatever those shows are? Is this kind of like that? Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it's funny. Jessica said it. Um, it was funny. She said it like the Real Housewives, like one New York and one Orange County, like where they record together. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, I dated one of the Real Housewives um, husbands, but I'm not going to say who, because that was like way like, you know, how we talk about how we hurt people. Like I was doing porn and then like trying to date, but not telling oh. people I was doing porn. So it was not like the greatest relationship. And then he ended up marrying one of the Real Housewives of Orange County. So good for them. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so we have, um, oh, go ahead, finish introducing yourself and then. <laughs> oh, I was introducing myself. Actually, so the only thing I really care that you do as far as my introduction is check out the website below, livemonoworldwide.org. But I'm going to use my time here to address something that I want to address. And Madison, this is why I'm feisty. Ever since you've been introduced into our lives, uh, we've met some amazing people. But we've also met some people that have tried to, uh, they've talked a lot of smack on you and have tried to discredit you. So I wanna say something from my perspective to all of you that are listening or watching right now. I, my entire life, ever since giving my life to the Lord, I've had more people that were from the church, preachers, pastors, and other people that were not part of the faith, all come into my life, make a lot of promises and say a bunch of stuff or, and all in the end, all that was discovered were that they were trying to use me. They were trying to take advantage of something that I had to offer, and they wanted to take advantage of that. I've had a lot of people that have made a lot of promises. Hey, if you help me, I'll do this, I'll do that. And so in, all, in the end, all I have to show for it is nothing but scars. Yeah. Madison is the first person in my life since I've walked with Jesus, other than my wife, who has never, well, my wife asked me for stuff, but that's all good stuff. Um, but as far as friends go, or as far, as far as people that share the same faith that I have, Madison is the only one that not only will not take anything from us, she's never asked for anything from us, other than me coming on here and talking. She has no idea I'm saying this right now, but I'm gonna tell you something right now. Her fruit speaks a lot louder than 99.9% .9 of people I've met in the church or outside of the church or people that have claimed to be prophets or preachers or anything else. So as far as your criticism is concerned and what you have to say about what other people say and blah, 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 shut the hell up. Shut the hell up because you don't know her. You don't know what she's done for us and you don't know the heart behind what she's done for us. So shut up. Because I will go down swinging 
to anyone that is trying to discredit her. And here's why, because she is the first person who has been genuine and honest about where she's at with her faith and who she is as a friend. She's never lied to us. She's never misrepresented the truth. She's only been honest and she's only acted in service to us. And all we've done, Jessica and I, all we do is serve. We've never asked for anything back. So she is the first like-minded person that we have met in our entire walk. So what does that say about you? And you can doubt my faith all you want, but my fruit will speak for itself. So shut the hell up. Okay, I'm done. Oh, I like, I don't tear up easy. I have to like, not, you know, just because we, I do get a lot of hate, but I don't care because it's not what this is about. It's about what we're going to talk about today um, with this amazing guest. And it's about giving people a voice that haven't had it. You know, people always say, because I say be a voice for the voiceless. What they don't understand is the voice for the voiceless are the people that are still in captivity. If you want to share your story, I'm going to pass the mic. Here you go. Share your story. And when I met you and Jessica, we just clicked right away. And if anyone knows anyone that's been abused, you don't like people. <laughs> you don't want to be around people. And so I just really appreciate you and Jessica. I just appreciate you saying that. Oh, thank you so much. So I mean, every word of it. Every word. I, I appreciate it. I just love you guys. So let's just switch gears here. First, I have to put a disclaimer out there that we are going to be speaking about some very um, hard topics today. Um, we're going to be speaking about pedophilia and abuse. And so if you have a child or anybody that is listening, they probably shouldn't listen to this. It should be for adults only. I also want to give a disclaimer and a warning out there that this could be um, extremely triggering for someone that has experienced abuse or um, some type of abuse from a family member. So I just want to um, put that out there, the, the disclaimer. So we have an amazing, I mean, I am so excited. I spoke with this gentleman and he literally gave me chills up my spine speaking to him. And and so we, I'm gonna introduce, I'm happy to introduce, his name is Randy Fowler. He is the brother to Kevin Spacey. Um, and I guess, and I'll let him, I think it's Kevin Fowler is his real name. And then Kevin Spacey, I guess um, Randy can get into that. But um, we're gonna talk about just life for them as a child. And Randy has some really encouraging words, I believe, for Jordan as well. So I am going to bring in um, Randy. So excited. Hi, Randy. Good morning. And I'm honored to be on your show today. Thank you. Oh, we're honored to have you. I just appreciate you taking the time to speak with us and come on both Joshua and my show today. And I just, I, I can't wait for everyone to hear what you have to say, because you're just a, a cool dude. I mean, you're just an amazing human being. With awesome hair. Yeah, I love his hair. I mean, seriously. I, he's so rad. I just am like, listen, they, everyone's going to love you after this. <laughs> so, well, Randy, um, so Kevin Fowler, Where's Spacey come from? Is that like Kevin Spacey? Because we were talking and I didn't even know it was Kevin Fowler. Okay. It's on my father's side of the family, Spacey. Okay. And um, back in 1978, I took some publicity photos for Kevin. And I was getting ready to take him to the printers. And I said, what name do you want me to put on the photo? 
And he says, oh, just Kevin Fowler. I said, man, that is so lame. I said, that doesn't sound like an actor. I said, why don't you use your middle name, Spacey? And he goes, oh, that's a great idea. So uh, Kevin Spacey was, was created at that moment in time. He would never give me credit that I named him. Um, but uh, that's just the, the truth of the matter. That's where the name came from. And um, Kevin Spacey's all through. All that's left is Kevin Fowler now. Yeah. yeah. Well, you and I were chatting and um, you were talking about abuse as a child. And I've experienced abuse from my father and growing up. And you guys experienced abuse. And you have some um, insight. I'm just going to kind of let you share your story of um, just even what happened to you. Because I and and I just want you to know, I, I believe you. And yeah. my heart like breaks when I hear when men have been abused, because people don't believe men that men can be abused and men are abused by family members. So you know, if you want to tell us a little bit of the story, I, I mean, please, I'm going to well, basically, uh, basically, it started in 1963 when my father used to force me to read out loud. And if I made a mistake, he would beat me with a writing crop. So what my father didn't realize at the time is that what should have been a love of language and words turned out to be a complete detriment through my entire educational life. I never read. I was afraid to read. And my grades were atrocious all through my younger years, all through high school, because I just had this phobia about reading. That was when the abuse started happening. Um, and it, it scarred me for many, many years. It wasn't until 2012 that I decided to go back to college and get a second degree. And um, I did it all online by myself for three years. And uh, I had to get over that phobia real fast. You know, we're talking about four classes a semester for three years. And I ended up graduating on the dean's list uh, with an associate science degree in education. So I managed to beat it, but the damage had been done for over 40 years. The only thing I would ever read would be a, a manual on how to run a program or something like that. As far as sitting down and reading a book for pleasure, it just, I couldn't do it, okay? I'm now finally over that, but it, it took a little innovation on my part to figure out a way to break that pattern and i finally did as far as the, as far as the abuse the sexual abuse started in 1969 but the verbal and lecturing abuse had started in 1963 and continued until i moved out of my parents home in 1975 my father would sit me down and lecture me for eight hours at a time. Just total nonsense, mental masturbation, uh, his hatred toward uh, the Jews, toward um, the banking system, um, his love for the American Nazi Party and how we've been lied to about the Holocaust. I mean, this is the kind of nonsense that I had to endure and I, I couldn't go anywhere. 
you know, I mean, I was stuck in the house. So that was another form of abuse. Uh, the constant uh, belittling of me and trying to change me on who I was. Well, that didn't work. So in 1969, he decided to start sexually abusing me. And the first time it happened, he called me up to the master bedroom and I thought, oh God, another lecture. And he shut the master bedroom door and locked it and uh, told me to stand there, don't move, don't say a word. He unzipped my pants and started to give me a blowjob. And I, I just didn't understand it. I'm 13 years old. So I'm screaming out to my mother for help. Mother, mother, help me. And my mother comes running up the stairs and tries to open up the door, but it's locked. And she's banging on the door and she goes, what's going on in there? And I said, mother, help me, help me. I need your help. And uh, all of a sudden there was silence. She just walked away and just left me to what I call my father, the creature. That's what his name in my book. And I realized at that time that my mother had abandoned me. There was no God. God was not going to help me. And I was just going to have to deal with this. And it got more and more violent. He then uh, after he after he got through with his business downstairs, he threw me up against the wall and put his arm against my neck on the other side and said, don't move, don't say another word. And then he sodomized me. Okay. And it completely changed the go-lucky personality that I had growing up. And I ended up not trusting women because of my mother, not trusting men because of my father. I went through three wives in less than 10 years. I never told anybody anything about what happened to me ever until 1995 when I met Trish, my current wife, and we've been together 26 years now. So I lived for almost over 40 years in complete silence. Okay, and the pain was just festering inside of me. And I couldn't, I couldn't understand why. Was I to blame? Was it my fault? Uh, you know, and those are the types of problems that abused children have. They think it's their fault. And because they can't articulate and talk about the truth, the horror, the, the gruesomeness of what happened to them, they continue to go around in circles making the same mistakes over and over again. It wasn't until I, I had somebody write my first book back in 2000, and I had to narrate my story on cassette tapes for the writer. And um, I used to come out of the office in just absolute tears because it was the first time I had ever really spoken openly about what had happened to me. 
And Trish told me that after I had finished narrating the book, that I was a completely different person. It was like I puked up a big green worm and freed myself. And I did. One of the most powerful things on this planet is the truth. And unfortunately, the truth is nasty. It's dirty. It's embarrassing. Yeah. And it's humiliating. And but until you can articulate it and speak it, you're never going to have your wounded heart healed ever. You'll just continue to be in pain and you'll end up an old man or an old woman who's bitter, who still doesn't trust anybody, who, who blames themselves. And that's your life. And that's why I decided after I got my second degree that I was really the only person that could write my book. There was nobody that had the passion for the subject uh, that could get it down on paper. I knew I was smart enough after finishing college. I realized, you know what, I can do this. So I wrote my entire book in 47 days, 96 and a half thousand words and never shed a tear. I was divinely inspired. And um, I then after the book was done, I found an editor who happened to be a clinical psychologist who had just spent the last 50 years dealing with abused children. So I let her be my editor so that she could put the clinical side of the story interlaced with my personal story. So my book not only talks about my life, but it also talks about why I did the things that I did. You have to realize that until I met Trish, every decision that I ever made in my life was wrong. Every single thing I did was wrong. When I started laying out the book in 2000, I decided to digitize my entire life. I had spent my entire life keeping a diary, photos, obsessed with documenting my life, searching for the answers on what happened to me and why. Once I got all, it was about 75,000 photographs and documents that I ended up scanning in the computer, I was able to go back and look at my life and see the patterns and all the decisions that I made and started to, to put it all together. The, the, uh, the tapestry started to appear in front of my own eyes. And it was scary to have the courage to look at your life for what it really is, not some rationalization to make yourself feel better. Okay. A lot of people have told me, well, you need to forgive your parents. No, that's just some silly word religious people use to compensate the fact that they can't deal with the truth. Truth is the, the answer. And the word I use is acceptance. I accept what happened to me. I accept who my parents were, not what they appeared to be on the surface, not what my brother claims they are. The truth of who they were and where they came from and why they did what they did to me. So my book goes into quite a lot of detail about where my family came from, where my parents came from, what made them 
be this way? What made my father hate the world? What made my mother live in denial her entire life? Why? And then I found out the answers. And it was quite relieving to finally know the truth and to face it. My sister hasn't spoken to me since my mother's death in 2014. She briefly started communicating with me about a year and a half ago. And I asked her point blank, why won't Kevin have a relationship with me? I've been trying to have one with him for 40 years. We were close growing up. And then all of a sudden he just dusted me. She goes, oh, I'll tell you exactly why Kevin won't have a relationship with you. And I quote, I will never have a relationship with Randy because he reminds me of the past. I am the keeper of the truth and he cannot face it. He lives his entire life in denial. He thinks my parents are the greatest things on the planet, which they're not. But the reason why he does think those things is because my parents completely supported him. They financially backed his career until he got off the ground. They went to every single performance he ever did, no matter how small it was. They never once went to any of my performances. My parents never saw me being drum major. They never saw me uh, as a professional drummer until once in 1985, uh, I was playing in Bellevue with a band called Jags and they happened to live about two blocks from the club. So they came, they finally came down after all these years and they only stayed for one set and then they skipped out, you know, the, the, the door and th that was it, okay? So my parents never really cared about me. My mother realized that Randy was damaged goods. So I can't save Randy, but I'll put my protective wings around Kevin. So all the time that I was living at home, I tried to protect Kevin from my father. I threatened my father that I would tell mother what was going on if you ever laid a hand on Kevin. And, uh, but by then the damage was already done to me that I thought, well, at least the least thing I can do is protect my little brother. It wasn't some adult decision that I did. I did it out of love. That's what, big brothers do you know it's so true when you have siblings and you protect them i mean when i talk about my abuse i talk about i gladly took the abuse even though i didn't know it was sick and twisted when i was a kid because i didn't want my sisters to be abused and you said something you said you're the keeper of the truth but you're the speaker of the truth and you're speaking your truth which is I know people don't like that saying, but just to come forward and say, listen, this happened to me and I tried to protect my brother is so powerful. And I often say abusers usually were abused when they were a child. And so that's kind of what Kevin has done. And it's a miracle that you're not an abuser. You know, well, it all comes down to perspective. My perception from my father sexually abusing me and a sodomize me and humiliating me and lecturing me for all those years my perception is it destroyed me and after all the allegations came out 
on October 30th, 2017 on my brother, and he was instantly fired from the House of Cards. And I started reading some of the interviews from his victims, and they sounded exactly what my father was doing. It wasn't really about sex. It's about power over an individual. So I now believe that my brother was sexually abused by my father, but his perception was he liked it. Plain and simple. You know, I knew he was gay when I was 15 years old. Never said a word. I never said a word about who he was and what I knew he was in my book. I knew that the karma gods would finally wake up and put a stop to his nonsense. And they finally did. So in my personal opinion, my brother used acting as a vehicle to abuse young boys, young men. And because people were so afraid of him and so starstruck by the awesome Kevin Spacey, he got away with it for 40 years. He had people protecting him, people paying off people, people silencing them, okay? And I'm not afraid of Kevin Spacey. I'm not afraid of Kevin Fowler, okay? I'm speaking the truth, okay? And if he doesn't like it, sue me. I was hoping he would sue me when my book came out. It would have generated huge sales. But he knows that I know the truth. So he hasn't he hasn't spoken a word to me since 2004. You know, it's I'll never have a relationship with him, no matter how much I wanted it. Now, I don't. Because he now represents everything that I'm fighting against. He now is the poster boy of of pedophiles and abusers and rapists and manipulators okay that's who he is and i don't want anybody like that in my life i'd rather just be alone with me and trish than to have someone like that in my life i've only seen kevin five times in 40 years okay so in my book i describe those five events this is how he treated me you know i was not starstruck by him i thought he was a pompous ass you know i just think he's some hot shit actor and he used to be but he doesn't really act he's just playing himself and what kind of characters does he play evil people okay because it's so it comes so natural to him but any role that would require acting chops has failed at the box office. Even his audience didn't buy it because he doesn't act very well. That's just my personal opinion. Who knows where my life could have gone if I hadn't have been abused? Maybe it would have been me with all the Oscars. I had aspirations of being an actor, but instead I went into music. I was a professional drummer from 1975 to 2004. I played all over the country. And after I got my master's in music, my, my teacher, Murray Spivak, and my mentor, and my 
really, he was like a father to me. He told me, if you're going to go into music, do it for the dough, not the stardom. So that's the path I took. I went into music to make a living to keep me out of the cubicle. And I did it for all those years. And I have no regrets with my, my music career. I have a lot of regrets on the decisions that I made while I was touring and some of the bands and people I got involved with. But I wanted to be a professional drummer. You know, that was, that was my goal. And the funny thing about music is, is that it is a healing process. For me, the better I got as a drummer, the more I got healed as a person. And it was like a choo-choo train, okay? And I kept getting better, and I kept getting more healed, better and healed. Eventually, I came to a, a point where I stopped healing, and I stopped getting better. And I called my wife on December 5th, 2004 and said trish i'm retiring and she was like oh it's about time i've been trying to get you to retire for 10 years i said no i'm done now okay whatever healing i have left to do i'm gonna have to do it on my own and music has now run its course for me now i still play drums i still have my big giant electronic drum set and i record and play drums just for me and that's all the satisfaction that I need because I had a career that doesn't even exist anymore. I used to play 300 nights a year. Those days are over. Okay. So I lived through a time when I had the opportunity to play and make, make a living at it. And I did it. And now I'm, now I'm done with my music career and I'm now trying to help Victims of any type of abuse realize that silence is poisoning your soul. The longer you stay silent, the longer you're going to be in pain. It's not until you can articulate the truth that you can set yourself free. Amen. No, I have a question for uh, people, Jordan came forward and he, and can you hear the echo? I apologize, guys. It's really bad. I mean, you know what, Josh, I'm going to let you ask a question, then I'm going to try to fix this echo. I think it's universal. Um, I have a question, actually, because I, it, it mirrored mine, even the book. It's, it's shocking. And the message about truth is what I live by. It's the foundation of what I speak on. Because I know. And I was the worst liar. But I about this and I don't know if you're able to answer this but you know when I was molested the first time uh, by the two guys you know for as scared as I was and when really understand I it, it messed me up yes and it led me on a path that all monster inside of me that led me on a very devastating path but that said, the more I've healed, the more I've been able to look back at those moments, the moment, and not just the moment of it happening, but the moments before. And I've often wondered with myself, was I already going into this area of battling my sexuality? Like, do I, did I open the door for this happening to me? Did I, because I think about the situation where, 
that it was the, a couple days before or just two this two of those guys and, and a few others we were all i was introduced to porn at this time and in the porn i remember exactly what i was drawn to in that moment seeing it for the first time and i remember the excitement i felt in my body this is at seven years old and then after this i'm 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 basically recreating these scenes now with these two guys against my will but at the same time i often wonder did I attract this into my life? And I know that's really messed up because you're talking about your father molesting you, but do you, are you aware of potentially being gay or bisexual before that happened to you? No. And there was a time about six months after he was continually raping me, you know, once a week, it was like a, ritual to him and because my father didn't work and stayed at home and pretended to be a writer but never wrote anything down my mother was the breadwinner so she wasn't around one time i happened to be upstairs and my i heard my father downstairs calling out my name and i realized oh god he's gonna do this again so i ran and hid in the bedroom closet and i was crouching down and i saw a wooden box and i opened it up and it was my father's german luger that he had brought back from world war ii i immediately loaded the gun and sat there in sweat wondering if he opens this closet door am i going to shoot him am i going to shoot my brother Am I going to shoot myself? Okay. And it was quite terrifying for me knowing that my father had driven me to such extremes about being abused. So he never did open the closet door. He came and looked through the louver blinds, but he never opened it up. And he couldn't find me. And then he split and went back downstairs. And I just sat there holding the gun for, for like an hour, just terrified, thinking that this man was, he was, it was self-gratification for him. The whole idea of the being able to do what he want to me and me being too afraid to say anything. I never thought I was gay. I never, it never even entered into my mind. It was something that wasn't even talked about in the 60s. There was no Donahue or Oprah back then. People didn't talk about this stuff. All they did was sweep it under the carpet. Yeah. So yeah. it wasn't until I was like maybe 14, 15 years old that I, I had met some gay people and I saw the way they acted and I was like, oh, well, whatever, you know, it's not for me. And then I noticed those traits in my brother. And I I knew that, oh, he's gay. My brother never went to a school dance with a girl. He never dated. He's been seen in public with prop-up women that go to the Oscars or something with him. Uh, but as far as any type of relationship with a woman, no, he's been a closeted gay his whole life. And when he came out, after the allegations, the first ones came out from Anthony Rapp, 
he said, well, I don't remember the incident, but I'm sorry. And by the way, I'm gay. You know, he set the gay movement back a whole decade because of his words, because he was avoiding being gay with being a pedophile and a rapist. They have nothing in common at all. Being gay doesn't mean that you're a pedophile or a rapist. So that pissed me off when he said that. And Wanda Spy uh, Sykes said it clearly. Kevin is riding on someone else's rainbow. He doesn't have the right to to say that, you know, he's living as an uh, openly gay man now when he's been living in the closet for 40 years and paying off people to keep their mouths shut. So that really, that, that particular episode, uh, when I saw it on television, it really pissed me off. I just did not like that. But basically, to answer your question, Joshua, no, I never had those gay tendencies. I had girlfriends. I had shitloads of girlfriends. I went to every single prom, every single spring and winter dance. You know, I loved women, okay? I didn't trust them, but I, I loved them, you know? So there wasn't any problem with my sexuality at even a young age. Yeah, and I want to I, I make this clear. Regardless if it did or not, it's not, um, I wouldn't make that judgment. But I will say, I, I am curious though, because when you don't trust women and you in got this issue, you've been perpetrated by a man and raped by a man, and then like that's gonna that changes you, that changes your body chemistry, it changes your brain. So how did this affect your your sexuality in general? And the reason I'm bringing this up is because there's so many men out there that have been abused that are still scared to talk about it. And so it affects us differently. For me, I went back and recreated every that situation, but the difference was for me because I was so close to my mom, and I'm not making this an incestual thing here with my mother, not at all, but I wasn't scared of women. I felt safe with women. So I went and recreated what happened to me with two guys and a woman. That's what I sought out. From my very first sexual encounter on, that is what it was for me because I wanted to take the power back and from that situation, I wanted to recreate it in my mind to take it from the nightmare and horrific experience it was and turn it into a fantasy. That's how, when I got cheated on, I become a, I became a cuckold. When I get, like all of these different things and all of the splits of my personality adapted and the, the most the way I was able to define it and see it and recognize the differences was that there was different sexualities present with each trauma, which each thing that hurt me, that broke my heart, that scared me. So for you, talk about the journey and how it affected your relationships, love, sex, any of it. Can you speak on that? Okay. I'll talk about my first three wives. I've been married four times too, by the way. Okay. We're very similar there. Yes. Um, I had, you could call a relationship with these women, but we weren't close. We weren't intimate emotionally. They were just a sex object for me. There's some place to get off. But as far as sharing my intimate feelings and my desires, it was, it was a life of silence. Okay. And I would do almost anything 
not to be alone. I would put up with any type of bullshit, cheating, lying. It didn't matter what it was as long as I didn't have to be alone. That's how it affected me uh, because my mother abandoned me at such a young age is that I didn't trust women. So I'm not about to tell them anything. I'm not about to let them get close to me. I'm not about to tell them anything about my desires or my secrets or my loves or hates or anything. It was just my relate my three wives, all three of them mimic my parents' relationship. Yeah. Silence. Yeah. Okay. My my father talked all the time, but it was always just about politics and religion and Nazis and shit like that. It did it wasn't anything intimate. My mother, she wouldn't talk about anything ever about any subject. All she did was sit on the couch and read 500 books a year. That's how she spent her life. She lived her entire life in denial and cruelty. And unfortunately, my brother and sister both inherited those traits from my parents. My sister can't deal with the truth. My brother can't deal with the truth. They both live in denial. My sister doesn't believe that that any of these allegations toward Kevin are true. It might be because she worked for him for 12 years after my mother died. She's had a dozen years of brainwashing. So she, she doesn't, she just lives in denial. And that's one of the problems. And it, it created massive problems for me. After I got divorced for the third time, I vowed that I, I just wasn't going to do this marriage stuff anymore. So all the years that I was touring, I was quite the ladies' man, you know, one night stands, one after another, because it was just about self-gratification for me. Don't talk to them. Don't let them in your heart. Don't tell them who you are. Don't tell them where you came from. And that was my life until I met Trish. And articulating the truth to her completely changed me. It made me a different person. She knew what she was getting into, and she helped me complete my journey of healing um, because she never judged me. She never put me down for what had happened to me. Uh, she never made fun of me. She was always there and always supported me emotionally and, and physically also. Randy, you had made a comment and I want to go back to it because I think it's it's huge. And I know a lot of people that follow me, you know, I was also trafficked for almost a decade through the porn industry to celebrities. I've seen a lot of crazy shit right, in, in my life. And you said something about your father. You said when he was abusing you, it was almost like a ritual. And Kevin kind of does that too now. And do you believe that it was a ritual to him at some point? Because when people look at Kevin and what Kevin has done and certain aspects of people that have come forward, they are doing certain rituals and crazy rituals where they're harming children. I mean, they're killing our children. I'm not accusing Kevin of, of killing anyone because I, I don't know, but I mean, we hear the words and I have to be careful of what I say here because we'll get kicked off platforms, but the, I don't even know how to spell it, but the Adrena. Adrenochrome. There you go. <laughs> I uh, I'm, not, I mean, I'm not laughing because I do not find that funny whatsoever. I'm laughing because 
we're probably going to get kicked off a platform, but that's okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, it's... And we might as well say frazzle drip, too. It, seriously. And so that's that's why I'm asking, because I, I do know my viewers, are, that is a question they're going to be like, please ask him in regards to the ritual. And is that something that you believe Kevin has done? Because I think it's... You said that about your father. And again, abusers tend to do the same type of abuse you know, to other people. Yeah, you could refer it to a ritual, but you could also refer it as a way of life. My brother, once he got away with the first incident back in 1985 with Anthony Rapp at a party in New York, he probably realized, huh, I can do this anytime I want. And he wasn't even a star. So every time he got away with it, it emboldened him to continue on. And the bigger he became as a star, the more starstruck people were of him. And uh, some of the things that he has done to people are, are, are disgusting. Okay. But for him, he thinks it's okay. He doesn't think that he's doing anything wrong because it's a way of life for him, okay? He's always done it. There's, it's a funny thing about Hollywood. Hollywood doesn't care if you're a pedophile. They don't care if you're a rapist. They don't care if you molest or abuse people as long as you don't get caught. But as soon as you get caught, guess what? You're out of the club forever. Kevin will never make another movie in Hollywood ever again. It will never be distributed because of he's been caught. So he's bye-bye, okay? But there are thousands and thousands of people in Hollywood doing the same thing my brother did, but they haven't gotten caught yet. So everybody still looks up to him and, oh, what a great person this is. I loved you in this movie. But the movies are pretend and why do you think my brother has been so secretive the last 40 years about his personal life he doesn't want anybody knowing anything about him when i was at my mother's funeral speaking after the funeral a bunch of people came up to me and said i didn't even know kevin had a brother and these were people that worked for his production company so my brother lived his entire life in secret and would only reveal little bits and pieces of him on on screen. Sure, he'd do interviews. He never talked about me. He never mentioned my family. It was like off limits. And that was probably part of his agreement with the media outlets. Don't ask anything about my family. So unfortunately that's just the way things turned out for kevin i don't feel sorry for the man because he ended up getting what he deserved he just lost three appeals with mrc the company that produced the house of cards and has to pay them 31.5 million dollars this is only the first one what about the movie all the money in the world where they had to go back and shoot every scene that kevin was in some movies wouldn't even release because of Kevin being in it and these allegations. So my brother's troubles are not over yet. And in my book, after I re-edited it in 2020, I put a little synopsis 
at the end of the book, reaching out to my brother saying, you know, I might be able to help you. I might know things about you that you don't even know about yourself. I might be able to help, but then again, maybe not. But still, not a peep from Kevin and, and since 2004. You know, I just don't exist in his world. You know, even now, he would I would have thought he would have reached out to me since, you know, he knows I have a book. He knows I do interviews. He knows I speak the truth. He knows I'm not afraid of him. So why is he afraid of me? That's an unanswered question. I think he's afraid of you. Um, Go ahead, Joshua. Going back to your comment at the very beginning about forgiveness, I, 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 we've aligned with everything that you've spoken about except that. Because it's not religious bullcrap. I'm not religious at all. Um, I'm far from perfect. I know not, I, I really, the furthest thing from perfect. But what I do know is this. Forgiveness is not even, it's not about so much the people that you need to forgive. It's about yourself. And I, I feel like God is telling me to tell you this. And I, you, you'll check it in your own spirit. It, I'm, not, I'm not a prophet, but I really feel like I need to share this with you. God has so much more for you. God has, you have, you, you have a limit right now. Of oh, oh, really? Oh, God I'm has much I, I listen to you talk for 45 minutes, brother. Okay. Let me talk. Please. I've, I, 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 God has so much more for you. And right now there's, there's a, there's, you can go, you can go places and you have a message that the world needs to hear. But until forgiveness is attached to your message, you are not going to achieve all that you were destined to achieve because I promise you, life, your molestation, your the incest that you experience, you are not a victim. That happened for you. And as hard as that may be to process, I promise you, because I'm living testimony to this, that everything that was meant to kill me and destroy me and hurt me and break me and ruin my life has now been used for good all over the world and God's not done with me but none of this was possible until I learned to forgive and it's not even again it's not about the other people that hurt me but it's 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 it, like when I was able to forgive and then that freed me then I was able to forgive myself for what I did to other people all the people I hurt I was evil I wasn't a kid toucher but I did a lot of effed up evil stuff to people I was a demon just like your brother I know and I know what forgiveness can do for people. So respectfully, sir, I disagree with you. And I want to, I'm planting this seed right now inside of you that God has so much more for you, but you will never get there until you forgive. I just don't use that word forgive because where was God when I was screaming out for help? Where was God? There was no, there was no God. Okay. So to forgive someone for something that they did is not something in my vocabulary. It's about accepting the truth and looking at the people for who they really are and letting go of the hate and the pain. I don't need to forgive my parents. I don't need to forgive my mother or father for what they did. That's who they were. All I have to do is accept the truth and speak the truth. And I'm not a religious person 
but I'm a spiritual person, okay? But I do not play church anymore. I tried and it didn't work for me. All that worked for me was the truth and accepting it and being able to articulate that truth to people. And I've never had anybody ever say anything about me having to say the words, I forgive you, because I won't. But that doesn't change the the fact that I've accepted what happened to me and I can speak the truth. And that's where, that's where I stand. So if there is a divine God out there, well, he didn't do a very good job with me, okay? I tried to find Jesus, okay? I read every red passage in the Bible. And if the world read the red passages in the Bible, the world would be a lot better off, okay? But as far as religion, I am not in it at all. I just don't believe in all this stuff. It's not about religion. Hey, Josh, in in the red text, the Josh, red text that talks about forgiveness. Hold on. Because I want to comment here. I loathe religion. I hate religion. I hate religion more than anybody on this planet. I, When people come on my page, they I call them the religious spirits. They've been groomed by the church you know, and groomed by celebrities. Cause you know, these celebrities like Kevin Spacey, whatever, they'll go to churches and, and the mega churches and the mega celebrity pastors. I, I loathe and hate religion. I was raped by my father starting at five to almost 16. Then I got into the porn industry. I was trafficked in the porn industry through mega church, church pastors. I loathe and hate religion, but I do love God. And I agree with you on the spiritual, like if we're a lot more spiritual and have our own, relationships and you know you said something that i don't know if people caught but you said you know i let it go even though you're not seeing the word forgiveness that is a form of forgiveness of you're not letting it have power over you you know maybe that word you don't like the word forgiveness but it's not if it doesn't have a power over you but there is a healing when you can say those words, I forgive you, even though they don't deserve it. They, they don't. They're, they're pieces of shit, I'm sorry, that did horrible things to you. They did horrible things to your brother. I don't know if they ever did anything to your sister. It seems like your dad probably only did it to, to boys from what I'm hearing on your testimony. I know that there's power in that. I think we loathe religion, but I also believe what Joss is saying is that you, you have such a powerful voice of people to hear you and listen to you. And people should, everyone across the world should hear your story because one, you know, you got out, outcasted basically out of your family. Like when we heard Jordan, you had listened to Jordan's story about Kevin, like he got outed of Hollywood, like outcasted. You got outcasted everywhere because you were strong enough and brave enough to tell your story. And so I just wanted to commend you for that because I know it's not easy. And I know we, the three of us here have all been abused we've all been broken at some point and we have triggers and and different triggers that trigger us and to me it seems like maybe that word forgiveness is a trigger for you and you don't even know maybe why it's a trigger for you i, I don't need religion no to, to, to speak the truth okay all i need is the acceptance of that truth and and to help people understand that 
living in silence will eventually kill you, literally, okay? And that a lot of people are turned off by religion, okay? And for me to be on that bully pulpit using religion as a platform for my healingness is not right. I did this on my own. I searched out the answers my entire life to try to figure out what happened and why it happened and who these people were. And once I figured out the truth and was able to accept the truth and articulate it, that's what changed my mind. I didn't have to forgive anybody, you know, and I don't mean to disrespect Joshua because I completely understand the where he's coming from, okay? But everyone lives a different life and everyone's experiences dictate what type of philosophies uh, they choose to believe in, okay? I'm not denying the existence of God. I'm denying the credibility of religion, okay? And that people use religion as a scapegoat for forgiveness. But what happened to the healing? What happened to the accepting of what happened to you? What happened of looking at the truth of who these people are that victimize you? Where does all that go? Okay, if I got an answer for you. you say, I oh, I, you. I just forgive you. Everything's okay. No, it's not okay. Because the path that I was put on, I should have never been on. Okay? And it took me 40 years just to get back to square one. Okay? I tried religion. It... It was unbelievable. I'll tell you a little short story. About 10 years ago, I decided to go back to church. My hopes were to walk away from the sermon with one sentence that would give me strength and something to think about during the week. Yeah. I went to this church for two years. And I just heard the same old nonsense over and over again. And it just, I just, I never walked away with anything that made me think about anything. But what was disturbing was, is every week before the minister came up, they used to show these videos of all the outrageous money they spent on sending children to third world countries to preach the word of God. It's the 21st century. I'm sure everybody knows who Jesus is. So, I asked to speak to the pastor after one of the services and I sat down in his office and I said, do you realize that within 500 feet of your mega church, there are children out there that are going hungry, that don't have clothes, that don't have medical attention, that need financial help, and you're wasting all your money sending these spoiled rich kids off to third world countries? I said, what would Jesus do with all that money? I said, he would give it to the poor. He would give it back to the people in your neighborhood. And you know what he said to me? How dare you tell me how to run my church? Get the hell out of here. And he excommunicated me from his church. So at that point, I was completely through with religion. Not God, religion. Okay? And I'm very concerned about that. Go ahead. Okay, thank you. Because I, 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 when I started speaking to you, I said I am... I'm not religious. I'm so far against religion, but forgiveness has nothing. You said you were spiritual. I'm more into the spirituality of Jesus 
than I am the religion side. I, you have to understand our whole purpose is to tear down the walls of the church. But since you're spiritual, I'm going to read you the spiritual law. Because if you're spiritual, you believe in universal laws. So there's a universal law of forgiveness. So when you forgive, you reestablish your oneness with your Christ self. Christ self is not religion. And it's not even really about Jesus. It's about the Christ that's already in you. So when you forgive, you reestablish your oneness with Christ self. You also free yourself from self-limiting concepts and bondage to others. By invoking the law of forgiveness in your life, you are owning your spiritual power and totally activating the removal of the, the removal of blockages to love, abundance, and healing. And so I when you go back and watch this video, because I'm sure that you will, you're going to be able to, after what I just said, I pray that you go back and watch this so you can listen to the words that you've spoken and from the heart that it came from. Brother, I can feel your pain. It's almost knocking me over. It's breaking my heart for you because I'm telling you that God has more for you. This is not about religion. This is F religion. F it because it hurts me every day. You don't understand rejection. I serve Christ full time and I'm rejected every day because of my story and what I went through. But I'm not a victim to it because I get to use it for good because I've learned to forgive. And how did I learn to forgive? When I'm screaming in my sixth time in jail in isolation in the psych ward in L.A. County. And I'm screaming at God, why won't you fix me? Why won't you change me like everybody else? God, for the very first time, spoke to me and he said, you have to forgive your father. How the fuck am I supposed to do that? After what he did to me, after what he did to my mother, what he did to my sisters, how the fuck am I supposed to do that? Because it happened to him too. And for the very first time in my life, I allowed compassion to enter my heart. This is not about religion. It's about understanding that monsters are not born. They are created, and as bad as it hurts, you have to understand that we live in the devil's domain, and everything that happens here, this is why God is so perfect, is because he knew that we were going to be hurt. He knew that we were going to be abused. He knew that we were going to deal with addiction and hurt and senseless crimes and senseless injustice, but the beauty of God is he gives us an opportunity to take all of the everything that the devil tried to use to hurt us. To use it for good. And that is my testimony. That is my life. And that is my heart. And it breaks my heart to see and feel your pain. And if you try to sit here and say that you're not still hurting, you are not telling the truth. I am not hurting. I am passionate about what I speak. And there is no more pain for me. Okay? There's just the acceptance of the truth of what happened to me. Okay, I am free, but I speak. I speak the pain. I speak the passionate language that hopefully will reach many, many people. But I'm not in pain at all. Not at all. Those days, that person is dead and gone. All that's left is me. Okay, and... We're, we're, we're talking about semantics now, language, okay? 
acceptance is an appropriate word for forgiveness. It may seem different for the religious people or the people that are into the God thing, but I am not. But I am speaking to the majority of most people who have shunned religion as a way of life. I'm trying to reach the most amount of people without bringing religion into it, okay? Because... I think, okay, and then I, I know I, that- I'm going to step out of the interview. I'm going to step out. I can't, if I hear religion one more time, it proves that you're not listening. You don't okay. have the ears to hear. Joshua. It breaks my heart. That it breaks my heart for you, man, because you, here's the thing. I promise you to hear my words, and I don't care what kind of rejection I get from this. Mark my words. You will never, ever, ever step into all that God has for you until you forgive. And I'm sorry, but I think you're full of crap about healing and you're, that this doesn't affect you anymore. I believe that this is a lie from the devil. And in fact, the fact that you're dis dismissing forgiveness the way that you are, that's not, I gave you a spiritual law, a universal law that's available for anybody. It's not about Jesus or religion. It's a universal law. These are laws. Like this is the creation laws. And to even blow that off as it's not a thing, to dismiss that, it shows me that you're still hurt. And to misrepresent this, again, you're not going to heal anybody until you fully have healed. So that's my opinion. Man. Gentlemen, let me say something. Here. Joshua, don't go and because oh, listen, we it's like this talking to a freaking brick wall. Wait, okay, Joshua, <laughs> let me talk. Okay, okay, I'm done talking. Let me talk. Because this isn't this isn't helpful for anybody because there's a lot of hurting people. This is what I see, okay? Is one, I, I believe, Randy, you were hurt by the church, and so was I. I don't go to church. I hate the church so much. I mean, I love it and I hate it at the same time because I was hurt through it. What you just said about giving the money to the poor, I think it's utterly disgusting that pastors have jet planes and millions of dollars and there's no safe havens for people that have been abused by people like Kevin or these pastors. There's no safe havens. There's these mega church million dollar buildings and no one, what, what happens during the week? Most likely there's trafficking going on through these churches. Now, not all of them. I agree with you 110%. I think that there's a difference between religion and a relationship with God. And and that's where I think Josh is getting, Joshua is getting frustrated because there's a relationship and he's hearing religion, which is a trigger for him. Both of you, I'm seeing here, are there's triggers for both of you here <laughs> and it's becoming explosive. So we don't, I mean, I, I think we just need to, I think there's a lot of hurting on, on we all have hurting and it is when you've gone through what we've gone through, through parents, it is a healing journey through life. You can let it go, but then things kind of come up. Like for me, things come up to me like where I let things go and I'm healed and I think I'm healed and then something comes up and it triggers me and I'm like, shoot, there's now something else I have to work on. So I just don't, I mean, I get where Joshua's coming from. I get where you're coming from. I think this isn't about it's about a relationship with God and and that's where we're talking about the forgiveness and, and really letting it go and you know what it really sucks that how I see it is that you are just another person 
like myself, like Joshua, that has been hurt by the church. And you know what? You sh you're right. I cried out. You know, Randy, my dad said to me, if you love Jesus, take off your clothes. I was five. I, I love Jesus. I thought Jesus was good. And then all of a sudden I'm getting molested and raped. I hated God for a very long time. God found me in jail. The same thing like with Joshua. And that's where the journey started to for forgiveness for me. So, you know, I just, I don't want this to become explosive. I know a lot of people are watching and I don't want Randy to be hurt by this. I don't want Joshua to be hurt by this. I think you guys both are just amazing men. So don't, I don't want anyone to be hurt, you know, moving forward. So is there any last words? And I know you said you had something for Jordan because there people have been calling Jordan a liar and you're here to validate him as well as one of um, Kevin's victims slash survivors. Any, any last words? Yes, I, I was hoping that Jordan could articulate more detail about what happened to him. He seemed to kind of skirt around the edges that he couldn't conjure up the language of truth. And um, that, that's why on all of my interviews, I never use religion uh, ever. This is actually the first time anybody's even talked about religion it's it's it seems to be a trigger point for a lot of people because millions of people were put in the same position that i was and and question the uh question god you know and question why didn't god save me Okay, so that's why I don't use it. And it's all about language, okay? And some people use the word forgiveness and some people use the word acceptance. That's the word I choose to live. I am completely healed from the pain, but I am passionate about what I speak, okay? And that's what I'm trying to get across. And my hope for Jordan is, is that he can dig down deep and really articulate the gruesome details of what happened to him because it will heal him much faster than just skimming the surface. And that's what I saw him do, was skimming the surface, that he was afraid to, to really talk. He wore sunglasses. He wore a baseball cap. It was in the dark, okay? He's still living in the shadows. And it's not until you lift up the curtain of silence and you can articulate the brutalness and the horror of what happened to you that your healing process can begin. And that's where most victims are. They live in silence. They, they, they titter-tatter around the edges, but they never really speak the truth. And until you do that, you're never going to find, as Joshua says, God or forgiveness, whatever it is that you're looking for, you're never going to find it. And accepting the truth is the most powerful thing on the planet. That and love, you know, what else is left? There's nothing left. You either, you either accept the truth and you love people. You know, I love my parents, even though they were monsters. I still love my parents. I still love my brother and sister. Unfortunately, I see beyond the curtain. I see the truth of them. 
And being able to accept that truth has changed my life. And I'm hoping that anybody that listens to this interview realizes that writing it down can help, but speaking it is the only cure for a broken heart. And Randy, I, I want to uh, wait, wait, Joshua, 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 wait, no, Joshua, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> no, it's a compliment. Uh, okay. Um, I want you to know there's a huge, yeah. huge difference. I want you to understand this. There's a huge, huge yeah. difference between a relationship with God and religion. And Joshua and I have a relationship with God. And I am here to tell you, we're not born evil. Our parents made a choice to do evil to us. They had a choice to make the right choice or the wrong choice. Just like all of us have the choice in life as we're older to make the right choice. You've made the right choice to live your life and not harm children and not harm other human beings. After you got married to Trisha and you kind of went on your journey, your your start to your healing journey, the same with Joshua and I going on our healing journey. We all have hurt people in the past. Now we're not pedophiles and rapists. We can't, we loathe those people and can't stand them, but we still have hurt people in the past. And so that's where it's like, we would hope that people give us the same grace and forgiveness of when we hurt people. So I just want you to know that because we, there's such a huge difference between religion and a relationship with God. And that's, I think why, Josh is Joshua is getting so fired up and I like love his passion and his spirit because I know he genuinely cares about your heart and soul. And so, and I don't want you to feel like you're being attacked because to me that would break my heart. Not, not at all. And I'm not being attacked. It's just that for many, many people, religion, God, spiritualism, they're all trigger points. And what those trigger points do is they hinder you from being healed. It's not until you accept the truth and can, can articulate it that the healing can begin. Spiritualism, God, religion, all that can come into play as you go on. But most of these people that have been victimized, I have found that leaving out religion is, the, is, is a faster way for them to begin their healing process. Being able to talk about it out loud to somebody, telling anybody, a school teacher, a counselor, a friend, a parent, anybody that you can speak to will begin your healing process. And that's why I have always kind of stayed away from religion because I'm not interested in pushing anybody's buttons. The only button I'm interested in pushing is the truth button. That's mm -hmm. it. Joshua, any last words from you? No. No. <laughs> you sure? I've everything I need to say. And I, and I, 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 actually, I do have something to say. I, I, I mean no disrespect. Um, a trigger for me is not being heard. And when I start my sentence by saying I'm not religious, I, and then I have religion replayed to me 15 times, uh, that is a trigger for me because, again, I hate religion. I hate what the church is. I mean, our whole mission in what we do is to make a space, a safe place for the misfits and outcasts and the degenerates, just like I was. And I am I have been rejected again every day. Every day I deal with it. 
and it breaks my heart. And so our mission and what fuels our mission is to, to break those walls down so that people can really understand what the love of God is, what the love of Jesus is, and how unreligious it is. I am like Jesus in the sense of I'm here to flip over tables and drop them on people's heads that, that are in the way because I know what it can do for you. I know what it can do for everyone. And, and I'm very, very passionate about that because I was demonic and evil and I had no chance of anything. And now my dreams are coming true because of my truth and that forgiveness is what set me free. Because ultimately you can't have love, true, pure love without forgiveness. It is a spiritual law after all. I'm That's done. right. We, we both are on the same mission. Mm -hmm. the, the only difference is, is that our style of approach is just different. <laughs> yeah, very much so. It's, and it's like I said, I'm not judging you at all because I don't, I don't judge people. I, I accept people for who they are and I understand uh, where you're coming from. I just come from a different direction, but I, I speak from love and passion toward this subject and, and I've just found it to be the easiest way to reach the most amount of people without triggering anything in them. Um, Self-analyzing is part of therapy, yes. okay? Self-analyzing what happened to one and why it happened and whose fault was it really? That's all really very important uh, in the healing process, but until you can speak it, it means nothing. Words mean nothing. Whether I use forgiveness, acceptance, or you use forgiveness or acceptance, it doesn't matter, okay? Until you can talk out loud to somebody about it, uh, you're never going to get healed. And that, that's my message to people. Lift up the curtain of silence and your soul will be free. You can have a healed heart. I do. People might think I'm hurt because I'm so passionate about this subject, but it can't help but bring up those feelings. And that's who I am. Uh, James T. Kirk said a famous line in a movie, I need my pain. Okay. That's what made me who I am today. Everything that happened made me what I am today, okay? So I don't want to forget it. I don't want to forgive anybody. I just want to accept it and understand the people that were involved and move on. And I'm telling people out there, speak up. Don't live in silence. It's a dead end. It's a dead end street. Yeah, absolutely. I do have one last question because I, I know I asked you when we were talking and my viewers are going to um, ask, is Kevin alive or arrested or do you have any knowledge or information on what Kevin? Well, he was over in Italy this summer doing a movie about a pedophile. I was astonished that he would accept that part if I would have been his agent. I would have said, no, you don't want to be associated with that. That's what you're accused of. But because my brother needs the applause and accolade, he decided to do the movie. 
I heard that he has a big mansion in Nantucket. And um, as far as I know, he's still alive. But how would I know? I haven't spoken to him in, what, 17 years? So I, I, really, I really don't know. He didn't make a Christmas video this year. Um, maybe because he took my advice in one of my interviews and I said, you, you know, you got to knock that shit off. Okay. If you can't even be yourself on screen and you have to hide behind some Southern accent character, you're not reaching. The only people you're reaching are your fans and they're not the ones you need to win over. It's the rest of the people you need to win over people like me. Okay. That understand what it was that you did and what you lied about for 40 years. So no Christmas video this year. I uh, haven't heard a peep. All I know is that he, he lost that lawsuit a couple of weeks ago. And um, it just knocked out about a third of his, his, his fortune that he's accumulated over the years. So we don't know what's next for Kevin. There are many, many criminal cases still against him. And uh, one of them could um, stick on the wall. You, you never know, you know. But like I said... I, I speak kind of like on both sides. I don't have very much good to say about my brother, but I still love him because he's my brother. And I still believe that I might be able to give him some insight on who he is and who our parents were if he were just to reach out to me. And I've always reached out to him in every interview and every interview I've had the door shut in my face. So once again, I reach out to Kevin, you know, because family is family. And uh, you should be able to have a relationship with members of your family, regardless of your religious or political affiliation. You know, politics has split families in two nowadays, okay? Religion has split families in two. Um, not facing up to the truth has split families in two. So... That's the world we live in. So, like I said, my message is speak up and watch the healing begin. Yeah. And then where can we, so you wrote a book. Um, where can we um, follow you, stay in touch with you, get your book? Uh, my book's available on Amazon Kindle. And it's called A Moment in Time Living in the Shadows. And it's available an electronic version and a black and white version. Both versions have um, 778 photos laid out through the manuscript. And the photo library consists of about 100,000 photos. So I went through and found 778 photos that, that kind of like uh, marked all the crossroads uh, in my life, my music career. Um, there are no photos of any of my wives. Um, I kept those three chapters, just text. Um, all my marriages could have lasted a lifetime if it hadn't been for me. And I didn't want to hurt them anymore, but I did tell the truth about the three marriages, but there were no photos included. Okay. And the, your name is, it's, is it? Um, under Randy B. Fowler, F-O-W-L-E-R. Okay. Um, Randy and Joshua, I want you both to know that you are so loved. 
And I know that Joshua knows we have a great relationship. And Randy, I know that I'm going to stay in touch with you. You just are very loved. And again, we don't do religion, but I'm going to tell you, Jesus does love you. And you, I, I agree. I think that you're, I, I can't wait for people to watch this interview um, and just the people that to love on you. And I'm going to tell you any religious spirit comes and crazy. I'm going to be the first one to call them a psycho and a crazy. And like, <laughs> I, think, I, think the, I think the back and forth between me and Joshua was really good because it's going to make people really think about, about religion and God and how two victims of, of abuse can have such different approaches on how they try to heal people. Exactly. Okay. Some people might go Joshua's way. Some people might go my way. That's okay. It doesn't matter. We're all on the same path, the path to healing. Okay. So it doesn't matter which path you take. It's just that Joshua and I have a difference in language. And my interpretation of language. That's all. That's the only difference between us. I know. Yeah. We're very similar. It kind of freaks me out a little bit, to be honest with you, sir. Yeah, I'm sure it does. But, <laughs> but I, I, in, in my experience, I have found uh, uh, to keep religion and politics out of most discussions. Because what ends up happening is that half the people agree with you and the other half won't. And there's a no-win situation there. But we're both on the same road. The, the only difference between me and Joshua is, is that I never went to jail. Uh, well, <laughs> you, better, you have better hair than me, too. So there's yeah, no and, well, and I never drank alcohol. I never did drugs. I realized at a very young age that that, that route was not the ticket for me. I ended up chasing women. Okay, that was my vice during my touring days. Okay, but uh, once I met Trish, all those days were over. Okay, we've been together for 26 years now. We're celebrating our 26th anniversary next week. Yeah, so it's 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 a miracle uh, that she decided to keep me around. I thought maybe a couple of years and she'd get tired of me. <laughs> um, <laughs> we love, we should do an interview with Trish and um, Jessica about being married. I'm going to interview them about being married to you two. <laughs> that needs to be my next interview. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> She's saying yes, yeah, so yeah. Yes, I know Trish is sitting right there. You guys are, listen how similar you guys are. Trish is sitting right here. Jessica's sitting over here. You got, your wives are sitting there. Yes, in closing, Joshua, I I love you as a person. And I want you to know that I completely understand your point of view, okay? But our life experiences are very, very different. So my approach is gonna be very, very different, but we both that. have the same goal in mind. And that's lifting up the curtain of silence. And that is my goal for anybody who listens to this interview. Uh, I think people would be surprised how quickly one can be healed from a broken heart once you start talking about it. It just is an amazing process that for me happened over a, a, a few month period after talking about it openly. I was like, wow, this is like a big giant burden 
Trish described it as I, I puked up a big green worm. That's <laughs> changed my personality. And in, in a way, she was right. I did. I puked up all this hostility and hatred and bitterness and and how angry I was at, at the world and my mother and my father and my brother and sister and God and Jesus. I mean, it was just and then once once I spoke it, I was free and it changed everything. And, and that's why my book is so important, because I talk about the truth, even the stuff that was embarrassing to me because it was important for the thread of the story that people really know the real horrors of child abuse, you know, psychological, the emotional, the physical, all those things take into place. You don't have to be sexually abused to be abused. There are many forms of abuse, okay? And they all wreak a different devil's head as you if you might want to call it okay but each one of them have to be dealt with separately and unfortunately i had all forms of abuse so i had the triple whammy to deal with okay a lot of people come from loving homes but got raped you know a lot of people come from abusive homes that were never raped okay so the circumstances of their life are going to dictate how they deal with life but until they can talk about it they're never going to get healed and uh i've gotten hundreds and hundreds of letters from people saying thank you for your book i've just wasted 20 years on a therapist i should have just read your book that's everything we agree on <laughs> <laughs> well there it is <laughs> I swear to you, I've never agreed with somebody so much, but had one thing I disagreed with. It's so interesting. But here's the thing. I love you too, man. And I love what you're about. And I, um, and most of the people that I love and respect the most believe completely different than me about a lot more things. So, and, but the one thing that I, de that I love that we are united on is the power of the whole truth. The real, raw, and ugly, because we have become desensitized to the word rape, abuse, addiction, and so on. And pedophilia, pedophilia doesn't even make people bat, bat an eye anymore. If people don't feel the truth, they're never going to change. Exactly. And I'm going to say this about that, because Hollywood has romanticized raping our children and killing our children. And it's just not okay anymore. And I don't care how big a celebrity or star you are. It's just not okay. And it's not okay to do it to an adult either. I mean, women and men, I mean, you know, my first two shows have been with men and there's three men that now Joshua, Randy and Jordan that we've spoken to that have been abused as children and made choices throughout their life. It does, it, when you're abused as a child, the domino effect that you have when you are older puts you into a destructive behavior because you only know destruction and you don't know the other side of it. And, and it, I commend you because getting on the other side of that and finding you found Trish and Joshua found Jessica and to be on the other side and be in, in healthy marriages. And when I say healthy marriages, those probably look way different than like, you know, people that got married at 21 and like never, you know, only slept with each other and whatever the crap is. <laughs> you know? the, the, the one thing about life is, is that 
karma is a very powerful force on this planet. You cannot go through your entire life getting away with this kind of abusive behavior and don't think you're going to have to pay the piper. Everyone has will have their reckoning, okay? And Joshua knows what I mean about that, okay? You can't run away from 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 the abuse and cruelty that you do to other people. It eventually will catch up with you and you'll have to pay the piper. And I was really heartbroken and relieved at the same time when my brother finally got caught, when it finally was exposed on what I knew all along and refused to put in my book, I said, no, I'm going to let the karma gods take care of that. So just know that even though you have a distaste for Hollywood, know that their time is coming. Yeah. Okay. Well, way, it's coming. Okay. You can't run away from the cruelty and pain you inflict on other people your entire life. It just doesn't happen. Amen. I think there's going to be a whole new Hollywood. I think that they have gotten away for so long. I mean, you even talked about it with Kevin for 40 years. They've gotten away with it for so long that eventually, and I think the time that the Piper is coming to collect, I think that time is now. It's 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 now and it's going to be exposed. And I think even... Say that again. Oh, I was I thought I was saying it under my breath. I can't wait to move back because we are gonna slide right in as soon as all that happens. Can't wait. Yeah. Man, you guys, I seriously I we should I, it's an hour and 30 minutes. I can sit here and talk to you guys all day. I, I'm not kidding. Trisha and Jessica, I want to interview you guys. I think there'll be an awesome interview about being married to these wonderful gentlemen. <laughs> so tell Trisha I wanna I wanna interview her. I know she's sitting right there. So um, tell us your book again. So that's the last thing people hear. And then we'll put the link also. It's called A Moment in Time Living in the Shadows. And uh, it's by Randy B. Fowler. And um, it's on Amazon Kindle. Electronic version and a paperback version. For those Perfect. people that like paper. Yes. Awesome. Joshua, I, any last words? I, I really want to thank both of you for, for having me on. It truly was an honor to be able to really talk about my story in, in details and have both of you understand um, the complexity of my story is exactly like the complexity of everyone else's story. The only difference is the characters are different. Yep. But the the symptoms of what happened to me happened to everyone that's been abused. And mine just happens to be unique. The fact that I lived in the shadows for 40 years watching my brothers climb to fame, you know, and having to see him on television every single day, every channel. I'm flicking and there's another movie. It used to really really eat me up inside, you know, and um, like I said, it wasn't until I started talking out loud that I was able to to scan through the channels. And if I see a movie Kevin's in, I'm not revolted. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, he made that movie in 1988 and then flick on back and by, you know, I've seen everything that Kevin has ever made, okay? I've followed his career immensely. I've still kept my daily diary my entire life. 
I almost know what I've done every single day of my life. That's why my book was so complete is because I wrote down everything. I wanted to preserve the past in order to gain back my future. And that's that's what speaking up and and getting out of silence is really all about. It's a wonderful life um, if you can just speak up. Yeah. Joshua, any last words? After you're done reading his book, read, read, read Jessica and I's book, The Devil Inside Me, because what he's talking about, uh, we I, like I said, we align and agree on everything but one thing. And um, we, our book is the same way. And um, so after you read that, please read ours. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Well, guys, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Humanity's Voice, uh, LiveManaWorldwide.org. Um, and follow Randy on um, Facebook and keep up to date and buy his book, buy Joshua's book. I have a book as well. So love you all. And we will see you soon. Randy. God bless you, man. Thank you. Thank you both. Thanks a lot. Uh, thank you. See you, Madison. <laughs>